The Paso County DEC is providing this podcast as a public service in order to let you know more about the issues and ideas which Democrats have identified as being very important for voters and also to provide a forum for Democratic candidates for office. Our podcasts are open to anyone interested in how Pasco Democrats are dealing with the important issues of the day. You can check out our PascoDems.com website and also on Facebook, Pasco Dems, and the views expressed by the guest and host on our podcast are their own. And not the official views of the Pasco County Democratic Party or Democratic Executive Committee. Welcome, uh, James Washington, who's running for School Board District 1. Uh, we've interviewed James before, but now we're getting closer to the election, and we want to give him another chance to talk about some things. And the very first thing that I want to ask you about is this. What does the average voter, what should the average voter know about what a school board does and what they should do and maybe what they shouldn't do? Well, I, I think that the best place to start is is sort of that we are the, for lack of a better word, the buffer between what the state is asking us to uh, create in our school systems and the teachers and administrators and uh, workers, employees of the district. And what I mean by that is it, it, many people are unaware that the state sets our curriculum, and I encourage you. Uh, and the listeners to visit uh, a website called C, that's the letter C, palms, P-A-L-M-S dot gov. And you can look up any course that's offered in in Pasco County or the state of Florida. And those are the curriculums that we must abide by as teachers in our schools. So the district's job is to make sure that those pieces of information are shared with the uh, teachers and again, all employees of, of the school district, and, and then monitor to make sure that they're being taught with fidelity, uh, equitably, uh, and, and to then pass budgets that allow the teachers and the staff to be hired to make those positions uh, available um, and make education progress the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, don't set anything more than policy in the sense of uh, this is what the state says we're required to do and this is how we're going to do it within our walls of our district. Okay, I'm just going to repeat that. It's small c, uh, P-A-L-M-S, cpalms.gov. Look and see what they talk in Pasco County. That's good. Thanks very much for that, James. Now, another thing I want to mention, though, because it's coming up so often, uh, I was reading in the paper the other day about uh, the so-called Moms for Liberty and kind of the impact they're trying to have on uh, the school board and what books can be uh, taught in schools and so forth. And uh, I'd like to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, what should the uh, what is the responsibility of a school board and if you were sitting on a school board uh, to listen to groups that have their own ideas to what should be done. What, what is your, your feeling on that? As a school board, we have to deal with all people, and I don't want to disparage any specific group. Um, And I'm glad that we have groups and parents who are fighting for uh, equity and accountability in our school system. What my biggest concern is, is that we need to make sure that we are addressing 
people who are from within our community. Uh, in some cases, uh, in the school board meetings that I've attended, and there have been many of them over the last several years, we have a very vocal minority of people, many of whom are not from our district. Uh, several years ago, we had people being bussed in from the villages. And again, I'm trying to say that those people shouldn't have a, a voice in what decisions are made, but they don't have a direct link to what's happening in Pasco County Schools. That's so it's interesting. I, I would say that the district needs to, yes, give them their platform to be able to ask questions. But second, we, we need to make sure that we are listening to the voices of the community and the teachers and the parents and students who are actually attending our schools. Hmm. Interesting. In my experience in teaching with, you know, you had your annual parents night, that's when you saw a lot of parents. But after that, uh, parents simply disappeared and uh, never showed up at school committee meetings and so forth. So in one sense, it's kind of ironic that, yes, we have this happening today, but sometimes it can be disruptive as opposed to something that's really constructive. Anyway, let's now go to your platform. I'm sure you've been talking about this now for many, many weeks and uh, um, let's talk about your platform. I was reviewing it again this morning, but let's let everybody know what your, your, your three main points of your platform is. Okay, and, and the first one has to do with respect, and it does tie back into that last question that you asked. We as teachers, as faculty, as staff of the district are bombarded frequently from all angles, whether it's from the national news, whether it's the legislature, people in Tallahassee, whether it's our own school district, whether it's parents at school board meetings, we feel very disrespected as a, a, as a collective group. Uh, and, and we need to return respect to the profession. It, it's a profession that I've chosen. I've worked in it for 27 plus years. My mother was a teacher. Lots of family members are teachers. What we need uh, is that sense that we are truly a, a, a profession that people respect. Now, that can be done a couple of different ways. Number one, paying us what we deserve. Uh, and that took a huge step over the last couple of months, especially with the referendum that passed in the August ballot. Uh, it, it took another big step in the last couple of weeks when the union and the district decided to uh, fix the negotiations and, and sort of agree tentatively to an agreement. Mm -hmm. And I would footnote that, that last year we didn't sign our contract until the week before school let out. And mm -hmm. we're talking this year, possibly signing our contract before the first month of school is actually over. So that's a huge step. And, and yeah. there's some big increases in that. Uh, I think the largest increase in salaries that we've seen in, in the last decade. But even with those increases, we, we still have a slight of respect in there. Mm -hmm. uh, drivers who are responsible for upwards of 60 plus students every day getting driven to and from schools are getting paid the same salary as an aide on the bus who might be there for their very first year and may be responsible really for one student on the bus. Uh -huh. We differentiate uh, in many cases based on longevity, years of experience, certification, although there are some built into, uh, as a school teacher, I get a little bit of an extra bonus for having a master's degree, 
But if we were to take those same experiences and levels of longevity outside of education into, say, uh, another profession, you would see a great disparity between what an entry-level teacher gets and what an entry-level professional gets and then the next level in other professions. Uh, And and it's something that we need to look at. Uh, Respect also gets built by making sure our discipline plan is held to the same respect as we want it to. I've talked to numerous teachers. I've been one myself where we get kind of called into the office from time to time saying, you know, you're writing too many referrals. It makes us look bad. Hmm. We, we need to, if we're going to hold something up as a rule, it needs to be followed to the letter of the law and people should not be feeling uncomfortable mm-hmm. that referral or trying to get the discipline to work the way it's written. Okay. And, be sort of to the second point uh, on my platform, which has to do with school safety. And and yes, the fighting in schools needs to to be addressed. I I know that our superintendent uh, at the end of last school year and again at the beginning of this year has spent time talking about how we're going to have a zero tolerance policy. And I hope that happens. But I will tell you that we had some fights here at the school that I currently work at over the last eight months or so going back to last school year and what's not being discussed in that zero tolerance policy is that there's a mitigation piece in between the time that the referral for expulsion is written and the actual expulsion hearing and Mm -hmm. in some kids are not getting through that mitigation piece where their referral is being sent to the expulsion hearing and we need to fix that piece so that when we write these kids up at the school level and at the district level, that they're going through the proper steps and kids who are causing problems on campus, if they need to be expelled, need to get expelled. Okay. But safety also ties into transportation issues. And this is a big one for me. Uh, I'm one of only one candidate that has stepped up and listened to the parents, gone on the walks with their parents. These videos are on my website. from Landa Lakes to Dade City, uh, and I have other ones scheduled, where kids who live within this sort of two-mile courtesy area, as it's defined by the the district in the state, who've lost busing, are are now being asked to walk or ride bikes or somehow get transportation to schools um, that are not well lit. There are lacking sidewalks, we're lacking crosswalks, Uh, We're lacking crossing guards at many of these locations. So uh, we're endangering our students. And this doesn't even take into consideration places like 5A and Hudson High School, where there are something like 30 plus sexual predators and offenders living within that same two mile radius. Mm. And we're asking students who are 12 to 18 year olds to walk alone in some cases in the dark, especially when we hit daylight savings time, when it gets darker later or right now when it's darker earlier. Uh, Or we really focusing in on the safety issues that we have here at schools. It goes far beyond having an SRO and fences and cameras on campus. Those are all good things. But we, we need to be more transparent. We need to have more meetings with parents so that they're aware of these changes prior to the first week of school. Okay. Now, you have another thing called compassion. What, tell us about that. 
This is another big one. We have, over the last couple of years, legislatively, in in Tallahassee, start to uh, remove empathy and compassion uh, from our our educational platforms. Uh, From many different perspectives, people who get into the teaching profession, whether they are an actual classroom teacher or they're a cafeteria worker or a bus driver, we get in it because we love children and we want them to grow and become the best humans they can become. And we've alienated these groups by removing certain pieces of literature, certain classes from our our, our course offerings. Uh, we've tried to eliminate that building of relationships that's so key to education. Um, you'll see on my website, you'll hear me talk about it frequently in, in different platforms that I'm talking. There's this uh, psychologist who was called Maslow, and he created this sort of pyramid structure of education that it, I, I, I subscribe to. And that is if basic needs of the child are not being met, and those things are like being fed, being housed, being clothed, feeling safe, being listened to, being respected, all of those things that would tie under this umbrella of compassion, if they're not being met, you can't get the kid to learn anything in your room. And we are removing those services. We are stretching what few services we have on campus is too thin. Um, We don't have dedicated nurses and dedicated social workers and psychologists who can help with those situations at every campus and that is something i would fight for uh it goes back to that respect piece we talked a few minutes ago mm-hmm. now i'm going to ask you another question that is uh this you've been on the campaign trail now and very very busy for the past several weeks what have you learned about voters and their attitudes towards education it's a mixed bag, to be honest. Uh, you have those parents, and they come across every political spectrum. I, I, I'm not focusing on Democrat or Republican. It, it's just across the board. Uh, you have those people who are involved, and in, you jokingly had said that you remember having people show up for parent nights. Those kinds of parents know what's happening in the schools on a regular basis. They they know what's being offered. They know what athletic programs and clubs and et cetera we have to offer. And then you have this other group that relies on the news, uh, media outlets, social media outlets to think that they have a good, firm grasp of what's happening in the classrooms and on campus. And when dealing with the public in forums or on social media asking questions you you can see that uh, although they're they want to know the right answer they're coming at it with bad facts and and we are spending so much time uh, on the campaign simply trying to address the the bad fact piece that we don't get enough time talking about the issues that really matter because we're cleaning those things up and I wish we would spend more time talking about issues. I think the two candidates that are running for this district space, District 1, 
um, have very different views of how we fix education in this county. Yet we're spending more time talking about very small matters, mm-hmm. uh, not the real issues. Right. That's an interesting point. I'm glad you made that. Um, in terms of, uh, obviously, we know, too, that it's not simply an education in terms of dealing with bad facts. It's almost every facet of our modern life where the bad facts are, are getting in the way of com- constructive uh, advances to make things progress. Now, uh, in terms of uh, um, the issues in, in Pasco County, uh, what about the most important issues facing American education at this point? Well, I... To be honest, there are people who are in power, whether it is statewide or nationally, who would love to see nothing but the end of public education as we know it. And I don't know that we talk about that piece enough. And I don't want to get too far off the topic. I know people will look at my my platform and talk about maybe voucher systems or private schools versus charter schools versus public schools. I, I don't care how parents choose to educate their children. However, we need to make sure that we're being honest and open with some of the decisions that are being made that affect our public schools. Uh, recently on the campaign trail, uh, I have a tendency to sort of uh, relive or recite a couple of lines from a poem that uh, was spoken at the dedication to the, the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes something about, give me your, t- your, your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, your yearning to be free. And most people are familiar with that. And I think it's a cornerstone of public education that we – for don't focus on enough we accept everyone into public education if you were in the country for day one or day thousand of your life we bring you into the camp the campus we enroll you into public schools and we try to put the supports in place to get you to the level that you need to earn your 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 diploma Mm -hmm. in 30 years you have and there are obstacles that have been placed in front of us as public schools that prevent that from happening. The biggest one being the voucher system where what's called per pupil funding, which sits a little under $9,000. If Johnny starts at my school here, Pasco High School, mm-hmm. and decides that, you know, things are not working out the way I want, I'm going to go to this pub, this private charter school that's offering me smaller class sizes, uh, a curriculum that focuses on an area that I'm interested in, whatever the excuse is, and Johnny spends a quarter, a semester at that school, his $9,000 could be moved to that charter private school. And let's say at the second semester, Johnny says, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I want to go back to Pasco High School. His $9,000 stays at that school. Uh-huh. So everything we do for Johnny has mm-hmm. to be done unfunded. And there are hundreds of examples from the last four or five years of legislation coming out of Tallahassee where there are unfunded mandates that we are being asked to do as public schools that we just don't have the funding for. Mm-hmm. And our governor and the people in Tallahassee want to pat themselves on the back that they have done 
adequate things for our schools, that we are the, quote, educational state, yet we rank among the worst mm-hmm. in people funding, in SAT scores, and a number of other areas that we need to draw attention to because the money is there. It just needs to be put in the right categories so that our districts could provide the services that are needed. Okay. Transport being really the number one. Okay. Now, what I want to do is give you a moment to just tie this up today, but I do want to mention one thing before I forget it, and that is in the next few weeks, James, if something comes up and it would be good to get the uh, uh, your opinion out there, uh, just let me know, and we can always do something, even if it's only 10 minutes, whatever we might want to do. So let's tie this up by saying, what do you want to leave the listener to? Uh, what should be in the mind of the listener as we say goodbye? Well, the, the first thing I would say is that tomorrow night, Wednesday, uh, the PTA is offering a, a debate between myself and Al Hernandez, who is the other candidate for this position. I'm hoping that Al will show up to that debate. Uh, he has notoriously missed the last couple of forums that we've had, one last night, uh, where we had a chance to discuss some things, and previously up into the primary election. Uh, listen to the platforms. The biggest difference you will find between myself and Mr. Hernandez is experience in the public schools. Mm-hmm. I've graduated from every level of education in Pasco County's public school system. I graduated from St. Leo University with a bachelor's and master's degree. I have worked in this district for nearly 18 years and as a teacher for nearly 27. The experience is there. Uh, I've written curriculum. I've written assessments. I've worked at the state and the local level during that time period. And there's just a difference of experience. And I hope people look into that. This is an NPA race, meaning that there's no party affiliation. But if you look at what's happening on the internet and on social media, people are calling out platforms that align with specific um, parties. And and we need to make sure that we understand that the person who gets this position needs to work for everyone in this county. And it is something I have a proven track record doing. And I would continue to do that as your school board member for District 1. Okay. Thanks very much, James. A reminder to people, they can go on the internet and look at your website and uh, and see a lot of the things you have to say, and some of which we've repeated today. Thank you again for your time, and good luck. We'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, James. Thank you again, Cal, and thank you, listeners.